Welcome to the Healthy Dog Pod. It's Sophie and Ian. Thanks everyone for listening in and for all your requests about what you want us to chat about. And today we're going to be talking about habituation. So let's get the definition going of habituation. Lots of definition. Straight in there. <laughs> um, it's the diminishing of an innate response to a frequently repeated stimulus. Which is real techie. Yeah. Uh, and so it doesn't make probably doesn't make sense to anybody. Um, but it's a definition, okay. It is. <laughs> Basically, what it means is we are trying to get rid of an innate response to something that they're exposed to. So, say your dog responds automatically and it's not what we would deem social or appropriate or maybe it causes stress to the animal um, and we're trying to desensitize it to normalize it for them and get them used to it. So, basically, it's just getting used to, get them used to normal stuff. Yeah, everyday things. Yeah. And there's normal stuff for us, but this is why the dog has such a a big response is because most of our world is completely unnatural. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, even things like vacuum cleaner, hair dryer, skateboards, you know, they're all normal to us. Things we take for granted, yeah. They're like, whoa, what the hell is that fast moving thing? Oh, I'm just going to bark at it. Mm -hmm. Even just big things, you know, big things are imposing, um, you know. Even just uh, on the other end of the scale, little things, you know, little, um, just, it's not a toy. Just don't, how about we don't pick it up and throw it around? It's um, just getting a dog to normalize and behavior around the human world. The biggest one that I find is skateboards and also um, work sites, workmen. High-vis, all the noises or all of the above? All of the above. High-vis, work yeah, cranes, everything like that. Dogs, if they're not exposed to them, um, they freak out. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we concentrate on this real heavily in uh, the early learning stages, in the socialization period. Habituation is a big part of that. Um, and we, you know, we bring it up a lot in puppy school and all through those formative years. But it's something to remember like, dogs are always learning. And, you know, they, they constantly are developing. Their associations with things. So just because we've exposed it once, just because we've exposed it a million times, if the situation changes and the dog changes its perception, it's very that happens all the time. You know, yeah. how many times do we hear it as trainers? Oh, my dog was fine, and then all of a sudden it just uh, started reacting this way to something. It's, you know, they're not robots. They they learn, and they relearn, and they relearn every day. So that's where um, when we talk about consistency in training, you know. What you, I think a lot of people might jump to the conclusion of that that just involves what you say, consistently what you say. But it's not just that. It's how you um, expose the dog to that world consistently. And uh, through that, we'll start to create consistent behavior around the stimulus. Yeah. So pretty much it becomes background noise to them. Yeah. 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 And I feel like there's a couple of ways trainers typically take the dogs out and expose the dog to this they will um you've got the corrective method method where you don't want the dog to approach it so you uh trainers will basically shut the dog down by you know limiting their movement maybe using a few pulls on the lead and just trying to get the dog to settle down through physical force and restraint um and then the other end of the scale would be 
and um, I think I've talked about this in the past, where the other end of the scale would be with a dog, the trainer, sorry, um, exposes it to it and then, you know, conditions like a yes and then a treat. And that's a much better way for me than um, restraint and uh, physical control. But I feel like... I'm, <laughs> I feel like they tend to get a little bit overexcited. Yeah. With a little um, positive doesn't have to mean um, overstimulating or even exciting whatsoever. Positive could just be like, oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Good dog. Be normal. Awesome. Yeah. Because you want it to be positive for your dog. Yeah. That's a, that's a big point. It's like when it's not whether you see it go well or not. You. This is where if we study the bod, uh, body language of the dog and watch them. You get to learn whether your dog found it a positive or not, because that was the goal. You're already bloody desensitized to it. Yeah. You're not there to go <laughs> and stand next help. to the skateboard and go, I feel like that went really well and your dog's losing his shit. Um, <laughs> or even just showing those subtle stress signals. Like, um, I think, uh, you know, a few bad descriptions over the years, like, like I've already touched on that, like um, hyper arousal doesn't mean happy. So um, going in hyper um the dog is hyper the dog's the dog's brain is firing on all cylinders and we'll often go oh look how happy it is yeah is that really actually socially appropriate behavior it's a building site or a skateboard or a vacuum cleaner and the dog's bouncing around like an absolute nutter but we're going yeah but isn't it enjoying it that's that's not the point the point is to normalize it yeah and the other end of the scale unfortunately um that Muppet on uh, National Geographic described it as calm, submissive. And the dog is basically shut down and frozen. And he's going, look how calm he is. Look how, look how well he's behaving. You know, he's not appropriate either because the dog is sitting there and being restrained and has learned to be helpless and can't move. And you'll see all the fiddles like lip licking and blinking and looking away. And he's uh, an idiot. He's going, look how calm he is. Look how good he's being. But that's the most scariest dog. Yeah. When they shut down and freeze like that, because you're going to have no warning to what's going to happen next. Yeah. Because it's learned to just, oh God, I can't move, I can't move, I can't move. Maybe like, you know, the body language we are looking for is really relaxed. And yeah. and by that, I, I don't mean still. I mean, still is a byproduct of it. Yeah. But not tension. Like, so tension is weird. Tension is weird in every situation. Like if your dog is tense... It's tense in the brain, not just its body. And um, we just want the dog to self-settle, you know. Um, I'll use food rewards to hold its attention because if it's holding its attention on me, it's not running around. And if it's not running around, the chances of it getting hyper-aroused are lower. So I find that they're like little wind-up clocks. The more you, the more they run around, the more their brain spirals. So yeah. use, use, a, use something to hold its attention and um, bring it into you get it and give it a known behavior and i i ask for sit mm -hmm. um so you know we're sat uh having a having breakfast and we've taken the dog out people moving around us all the time i'll ask the dog to sit but i won't ask it to lay down because laying down slows down its reaction time so potentially could compromise it and make it feel like it's overly vulnerable mm -hmm. so from the sit position with its ass on the floor and its head up you can literally see which way its brain's going. If it stands up, its arousal level spiked a little bit. You recognize why, you respond appropriately. 
You know, if it's something coming into its space, then you then you respond and respond and respond. And it's full on conversation. If it was nothing, if say somebody walked past carrying a tray or, you know, whatever, it was just a nothing situation. It didn't actually involve the dog. Give it a treat. Ask it to sit again. And you're not, you're using sit as a gauge. Yeah. Does it pick itself up or does it calm itself down? If it lays down on its own accord, figure out if it's shutting down and reclude, like reclining into itself and getting really stressed out like a time bomb, like, oh, this is crap. Or, oh, does it lay down and settle? Because that's what you want. You're, You'll see that. <sighs> yeah. It's a great yeah. moment. Yeah. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. And we, um, and when it comes to habituation, we really want to take them out repeatedly. Yeah. Re- um, make sure that they see it as much as possible. What sort of things? We, you've got a checklist. Yeah. So, um, for puppy school, got a checklist. Um, the biggest one that I find that a lot of people don't expose their dog to is uh, fireworks and thunder and lightning. Because people say, oh, how am I going to expose my dog to that? YouTube. Go on YouTube. Look mm. it up on YouTube. Play it at a low volume. Play with your dog while it's on there. Don't go straight to high. I think that's what a lot of people do. They're like, oh, we'll just fix this situation straight away. We'll put it on high volume. Yeah. The dog's like, holy mm. shit. What is that? I've got a really good video, actually. We'll upload this. Um, uh, Tracy from AVBS gave me this. Um, or more, I stole it. Um, she knows. Thanks, Trace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, where uh, you've got a dog trainer in a field. Uh, and there's about, uh, I can't remember how many, but probably like 10, 15 dogs in a big circle. And in the middle is a box full of firecrackers. And the trainer sets them off. And then all of a sudden, every, obviously the dogs are losing their absolute shit. And everybody starts slamming their dogs on the check chains and like forcing them to the ground. And this is the dog trainer's idea of desensitizing to fireworks. That is so fucked. Um, that isn't dog training, that's dog bullying. It's actually a horrible video to see. It's pretty painful to watch. Um, and we, but on a, And obviously that's a real extreme example, but I do find people... Uh, do this far too often they'll take the dog right into the deep end and then um correct it for not knowing how to behave yeah and uh whereas if we take our time and introduce gradually then um i think everybody wins you don't end up stressed out because your dog's not behaving appropriately yeah i I think uh so many people rush dog ownership like the first six months they're like i'm gonna I'm going to do absolutely everything in this world and show it to my dog. You can own that dog for years, mate. Like, fuck, take your time. Yeah, slow it down. Build some calm, positive associations. And I use that term for years, calm and positive, on purpose. Because I don't... Nobody calls us because they can't rev the dog up. They all want to know how to calm the dog down. And then people resort to correction... Whereas I'm just like, no, take it in slowly. Hold its attention. If the dog can't hear you, people go, oh, my dog's not food motivated. Your dog is over-fucking-stimulated. Yeah. It can't hear you because you're stressed it out. You put it in the deep end, set it up to fail, and then complained. Yeah. I always say distance is your friend as well. A lot of people try and go straight in exactly what you said to what it is they want to desensitize them to. Like, hey, if your dog's not taking treats, your dog's overstimulated, distance. Take it away from what that is until you can get your dog's attention to you. Can That dog can take treats. Yeah. If your dog can't take the treats and it can't process what you're saying, 
we've got a dog whose brain has melted and gone overstimulated. Lizard brain. Lizard brain. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I I say to people all the time, like, you want to make sure that you've taken your dog into a social situation, which means you need it to be able to interact on an appropriate level. If your dog is overstimulated and it can't process what you're saying, then that means that every other bit of information that it is absorbing is in the same frame of mind. And it is just taking trauma shots on and these huge learned associations of either stress, fear or hyperarousal, which will eventually cause anxiety. And it's fucked. Yeah. And Sydney is busy as all hell. There's so much stimulation out yeah, there. Yeah, especially Bondi. Then we combine this with last week's talk about uh, socialization. Mm-hmm. So people take their dog out and they flood it with information. And there's people and buses and cars and traffic and oh, heaps of movement, noise and movement, the two main stimulants. Like, watch them. Like, turn your brain on for 20 seconds walking down the street and just hear how many cars and people and everything goes past. It's a bloody lot and we're just used to it. Our dog's flooded with all this information and then we go and take them to a social environment and we expect them to be able to interact. You combine the two together and you've got a recipe for disaster and that's why we've got jobs. Yep. (laughs) I would rather not have a job. I would rather not have to have this conversation but the truth is it happens every day and there's a lack of information out there on what's actually affecting dog's behavior rather than them running around trying to dominate the world. They are freaking the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the biggest one in Bondi is everyone wants to take their dog to a cafe, which is great. But you have to think about the whole walk to the cafe as well. That dog's taking in all that information on the way to the cafe and then you're putting them in that situation where that environment's changing. People are coming in, dogs are coming in. You can't do that on the, like, when your dog can walk on the street or whatever. You need to take it in steps, go to the cafe, but then don't actually have a coffee. Or get a takeaway coffee if you're really desperate because we love our coffee. Yeah. You know, (laughs) so go with your your partner, go with your friend, go and get your friend to get takeaway coffees, stay as long as your dog can cope with it, and then leave. Yeah. And you, you might not have had the positive experience that you had in mind, but your dog's sensitivity is reduced because we were listening to the dog and next time you go it's going to go in there and go this is great i really enjoy this place place." yeah and i think um, a good point on this as well is we tend to normalize a lot of things i had a client the other day and they're like oh you know really good uh dog at this cafe but you know take it to any other cafe it just doesn't doesn't do the same and of course it didn't it's a different bloody place yeah Yes, it's a cafe, but it's a completely different place. And it's the same with everything, like vacuum cleaner. Oh, my dog's used to the vacuum cleaner. Get a new one, makes a different noise. We know generally the vacuum cleaner sounds similar, but to the dog it's a different pitch, it's a different movement, it smells different. You know, how excited do we get with a new vacuum cleaner? We start swinging it around. And everybody, it's a Dyson. Everybody loves a Dyson. <laughs> so it's, um, it's different to the dog. Yeah. Just because we've normalized it. We're so good at grouping information and becoming okay with it. And dogs are so good at making us look stupid by breaking it down. I think that's what we forget too. That's a massive point. I think we forget that. Um, Another thing as well is I notice a lot. People get really embarrassed by their dogs if they don't do what they want in that situation, especially at a cafe. Yeah. 
I think, I mean, look, I mean, this is human behavior, but I think people in general are embarrassed to uh, show that they care. And, yeah. um, it's like your dog's struggling. Help yeah, it. Yeah, look after it. Yeah. Like, in, in all honesty, like, if you're going to, if somebody's going to judge you for caring, they're a fucking idiot. Yeah. And if they don't, and if you don't know them, then their opinion really doesn't matter. You're probably never going to see them again, to be honest. Yeah. So, I, I, the way I see it is, you know, it's your family member that you're, you're raising. Yeah. Look after them. Who gives a shit what anyone else thinks? Yeah. I, you know, my dog matters to me much, much more than random guy standing there watching me going, oh, look at him caring for his little fluffy dog. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not going to see you in 20 minutes, but my dog's going to be traumatized. And I, if I don't do that, I'm going to, I'm going to be the one that suffers. Yeah. So I'm a dog, of course, but like the repercussions of that impact me much more than your judgment. Yeah, and I think that's such a hard one for people to, the judgment, you know, people are judging me, people are judging how I look after my dog. Who cares? Do the best you can and educate yourself on helping them. And that's it. And sometimes it goes wrong. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> we all been in that situation. We've all fucked it. We're like, not saying we're the perfect, you know, candidates. Like, it happens. Nothing ever goes perfectly. Yeah, like, I mean... Sometimes it goes wrong, and then you and then people go, "I'm gonna go and throw it back in exactly the same level because this is where it was." Yes, and I'm gonna take it into that level again because and you know, hope it works. And hope it works. Like we see it in socialising, gets in a fight, and oh, we'll just take it straight back to that dog park and that individual. Nah, give it a fucking break. Same with um, you know, trauma with just general stimulus like skateboards and what we're talking about today. It's uh strip it back give it a breast let it recover let its brain come back down to earth and then reintroduce it at a lower level and gradually build the tolerance again yeah people go oh dogs recover so quickly you know they're so stoic and they really do just move on not really they just don't actually have the ability to communicate how stressed they are yeah i know if i've had a traumatic event it sticks in my brain i i hang on to it like if if something makes me jump, I'll, I'll remember it. Like, I might not carry on. Like um, a spider? <laughs> like a what? A spider. A spider makes me jump. Oh, every time. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but you know what I mean? Like, I'll carry, yeah. on, I'll carry that adrenaline for a little while. And when the dog does go into fight flight and does get scared, then the brain and the body get hit with adrenaline and cortisol. And it takes 72 hours to a week to get out of the system. Yeah. Now, that's a long time. Let it recover. And you will find the next time you take it in, after it's recovered, you'll find it a lot better than if you just go, we'll give it five minutes and then throw it back in the deep end. God. It's painful. You wouldn't want it doing... Like, you can rationalize it, you know. Yeah. If it's a person, you can talk them through it. It's going to be all right. This is what happened. And, you know, we can get over this. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that? And the thing is, and this is a big word, consent. Like, your dog did not consent to anything that you took it out to. Yeah, you put it in that situation. Oh, <laughs> what happened to my voice then? <laughs> yeah, you put it in that situation. Yeah. And I feel like skateboards is a massive one because around here, I've had a lot of dogs that have moved from the country, or example, and moved to Bondi, and there's all these skateboards, and the dog's like, oh, my God. Mm. Um, but you have to remember as well, it's kind of like the postman thing they'll probably jump and lunge at that skateboard and then it goes away. 
Yeah, it's a self-rewarding behavior. Yes, in the dog's mind, he's like, I, that worked. I'm yeah. going to try that again. Yeah. Um, in that moment, like the dog's not trying to dominate the skateboard or anything <laughs> like that. It's, it's learning by the consequences and its goal is to create distance from the skateboard. Bark lunge. Now, actually, this is a really, I love this sentence. Like people say to me this all the time. They'll go, I've taken it here loads. It should be getting used to it. That doesn't mean just because your dog is used to it doesn't mean it's going to go well. Like I'm pretty used to um, quite a few things in my life, but there's quite a few of those things I don't particularly like. I have to to tolerate them, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to, you know, it doesn't mean I enjoy them. Getting used to isn't good enough. That's a crap way of looking at it. I've taken it there and it should be used to it by now. Like, yeah, like that skateboard that goes past. Your dog is very used to skateboards. Yeah. And it's very used to barking and making them go away because it's a self-rewarding behavior. It worked. Every time I barked, that skateboard carried on. And it doesn't know that the dog doesn't know that they were going to carry on anyway. It has no concept of that. But as far as he's concerned, skateboard came, he barked, skateboard left. Boom, doing that next time. Yeah. So, when we're taking the dog in, these are the things we're trying to do. We are trying to maintain a level of communication. Uh, we are trying. We are trying to check in with the dog regularly. So, we'll, as we're leading up, say we're say we're going towards I don't know ca- the cafe. I'm just trying to think. Like, or can you think of a better example for me? You know, something um, static. Dog park. So yeah, dog park. Fantastic example. So the doggers. Um, coming up to the dog park and there are dogs playing in the distance and we look down and we can see our dog is really hypervigilant, ears forward and focused and potentially even pulling on the lead towards the dog park. Now, this is where if we just go, oh, look how happy he is to get to the dog park. I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to get there. We take him in and he's hyper aroused and this is the, all of a sudden becomes a learnt association of the dog park and in six months time we get a phone call going, we've got no recall. Shocker. Um, <laughs> The <laughs> whereas if we just took our time, if we just went right, okay, looking down, my dog is absolutely mental. Hey, mate, can you hear me? Nope, carries on pulling. Um, well, I'm going to stop and I'm going to reward him for checking in with me. And if I've only got half an hour to walk my dog that day and it takes me 20 minutes to calm that dog down because that's what he needed that day, then I've built a relationship with my dog where he's listening to me and we're taking him next time we get to the dog park he'll be less hyper he'll be in a better frame of mind for socializing and it becomes easier this is what i'm saying earlier like if you rush it you'll you'll fuck it up for the future so many people rush it you see them walking to the dog park with their arm out you know stretched and their dog's like (laughs) and they'll convince themselves that the dog wants to be there yeah yeah and it's not it's it's it, not. It, 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 sure, it, you know, your dog's social, it wants to be there and all of that, but is it being actually social? Yeah. Like, is it actually going in in a frame of mind where it's registering information? Because those first six months, if your dog only learns hyperactivity around dogs and in this environment, like I say, nobody calls us because they can't rev the dog up. Yeah. They're all calling us because they can't calm it down in that environment. They can't call it back. Then people, then the relationship breaks down. Um, I can't socialize my dog anymore because it never comes back to me. Well, yeah, again, shocker. Like, yeah. it, it's so simple, but just take your time and listen to your dog and actually spend some time training your dog, actually putting some em- emphasis on communication. 
because if you can't communicate with your dog when it's off lead and i mean that but like we use lead as uh i think a lot of people use a lead as like a restraining device it's on the lead so i'm in control so i don't need to verbally communicate fantastic until you let it off the lead and it's three meters away and you can't catch it great like verbally communicate with your dog and reward it for checking in people like don't want to use treats on walks one of your clients said um it said they said oh i don't want to use treats on walks because it'd just be focusing on me the whole time yeah, <laughs> I actually looked at this person and just went, um, okay. And like they're, they're also complaining on the other hand that it's uh, it will pull. And it's like, okay, reward it every now and then instead of all the time. Get a happy medium. It's not, not rocket science. Cheating, sorry, feeding is your dog to do what you want is not cheating. Yeah. You don't need to, we're not going to work for respect. They're not, go- they're not going to do it because you willed it over them. They are self-serving animals and they will listen if they are paid enough. Yeah. I just want to jump back to the dog park. A lot of people, um, I find, they say that, um, you know, they're time poor and they just want their dog to go to the dog park and run around. Really good point. Yeah. and Why? Can I, let's just, I'm going to let you carry on. But that is, I think that's because people believe that if they let it run around, they'll tire it out and then it becomes easier to handle at home. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Sorry. And, no, no. And, it, and it's not, though. It's in the long run. You're really setting that dog up to fail. Even though you think that you're doing the right thing by taking it to the park, letting it run around for an hour or whatever, bringing it home you're not actually building a relationship with your dog either you're just going oh shit gotta get to the dog park run to the dog park your dog's pulling on the lead trying to get there let it off cool run around for an hour okay take it back what where was that communication what was, what no. frame of mind was the dog in not like the best hyper, hyper <laughs> probably hyper yeah you know and it's like i mean we'll move away from stress for a minute like even if it's just hyper and like playing playing um but like just running around like a goose, is it? Do you have any relationship with your dog there? No. And this is where again, like constantly firing the adrenaline in your dog every day will eventually exhaust them. Yeah. Um, your dog doesn't know the difference between excitement and fear chemically. And if it gets scared every day, you'd start to go on. Oh, no wonder it's stressed. You know, it's been getting stressed out every day that still seems to surprise some of my clients um but uh if you're on the other end of the scale if you constantly make your dog hyperactive whether it be hyperactive interactions with others um every time you greet it you're hyperactive or constantly throwing uh balls for your dog you know and spiking the adrenaline levels every single day in those formative years you are creating a dog that actually doesn't know how to communicate and this is this is you know we we talked about dog parks just now but this is the same when it comes to taking your dog out to building sites you know we'll put the checklist up because we've got a big old checklist of things that you can expose your dog to but if you take them out and make it overstimulating every single time you're one you're creating that learned association of hyper arousal but the other side of it is like your dog never actually really recovers from the adrenaline and um, I I don't have I should do more reading into this because I seem to work with it a lot. But I I honestly would love to know if there's a study out there about adrenal fatigue in dogs. Yeah, that would be quite interesting. Because in this city, 
and I'm sure suburban living, like city life around the world, and this is going to become more and more present in real life as our population grows and the dog population grows, this is a huge factor. Mm. And it's the biggest thing we work with um, is hyperarousal, which causes stress over time. Yeah. And so many times people go, oh, my dog was good up until a year. Well, yeah, your dog has been running on adrenaline for a year. Now he's just crashed. Going back to tired dog's not a happy dog. Tired dog's a shitty, grumpy, antisocial, moody dog. Same as a tired human. Yeah. Same, same. I just want to jump back to the checklist too. I find that two of the most interesting things on the checklist um, are old people. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because uh, especially if they've got a cane or a wheelchair and they're bent over, um, a lot of dogs aren't exposed to that in that period. And then when they see them for the first time, they bark at them because mm-hmm. even though it's a person, it's different. Their body language is different. They're holding something or they're in a wheelchair and also um, children. Yeah, children and babies. Massive. Yeah. There are, so information, I think uh, I'd love to do a bit more in detail another day on this but information is everything if your dog receives enough information it will begin to feel comfortable um as in like good information obviously receive receives enough bad information it will feel very uncomfortable but um if your dog feel, receives information uh that it is familiar with then it will have a learnt association so everything i think tracy says this best information is the dog's currency and um new information it will be treated like a threat until it uh knows otherwise yeah and that goes back into when we normalize it when we know that it's just an old person with a cane or it's just a a toddler walking around and we go it's non-threatening why is the dog why is the dog um why is the dog behaving this way it's just not a threat you didn't perceive it as a threat but they did but your dog is receiving new information and we will always your survival says if it's new treat it like a threat until you know otherwise with verbal communicators you know we meet somebody new and you know my mate will go hey this is my friend tim and instantly i will go you're familiar i've I've got a familiar pattern here i trust my mate so now i trust my mate's judgment of tim yeah whereas dogs don't have that verbal ability so we've got to watch their body language and see how they're responding in that moment. So when it sees an old person, how do they go? How's their body language? And um, I think a good point today will be really, uh, I think, uh, sorry, something to add on the side today. We'll put up uh, some fiddle posters. So dogs early onset yeah, of stress. Definitely. And um, we'll have a look at, you can have a look at the body language of the dog. I think uh, the posters I've created have like 52 different um, body language signals. Some of them might overlap. So, yeah. Maybe not exactly, but still. Um, yeah, these are all body language traits of the dog communicating. This is beginning to get stressful. And if we look out for them, and we, as soon as we see them, go, all right, can you hear me? Here's a food reward. Start to use positive reinforcement. Start to reduce the stress. It's how you get dog used to the stimulus. It's mm. real basic in theory. Yeah. People don't take the time to do it. Exactly. Um I just want to jump back to children too, because I find that... Sorry, I keep, I keep, I keep running a million miles <laughs> no, ahead no, no. and you're like, hey, bring just, it back. I just want to... I, I'm just popping things... Things are popping into my head. Um, one of my clients, uh, when their dog was younger, um, 
it was uh, in the critical socialization period and there were two kids that were playing with it. So at the time, my clients obviously didn't know that it was such an issue and the kids were chasing the dog around and they thought, oh, they're just having a great time, the kids chasing the dog around. But that dog started to associate kids are bad. I couldn't get away from these two children for, I think it was like a few days or something. And then when they got back home, they realized that their dog didn't like children because it associated them with um, a bad situation that happened. They also live across from a school and a kinder behind them. Oh, shit. So, <laughs> it's a hard one because their dog's constantly flooded with kids. I mean, yeah, this is where... I mean, I've said this for so long, but be proactive in your thought approach. Actually, yeah. be really realistic and break it down. What does your life involve right now? Live across the road from a school. Definitely need to build a positive association of children. Yeah. 100%. Like, that should have come into your head before you bought a dog. Yeah, but then people don't know. No, of course not. No, but... And they, that's the thing. And that, but that's what we're trying to promote. Exactly. That's what, that's what we're... Because so many of us react uh, to a situation that we didn't see coming, but when we actually break it down, we go... Oh, could have put in a lot of work into this, being yeah. proactive. And when we're bringing a dog into our life, puppy, rescue, whatever, we need to actually be really aware of what our life, is. what bringing them into our life would involve for the dog. Yeah. And, you know, that way you're, you're actually ready. <laughs> just, <laughs> just maybe get ready to have a dog. That's simple. But the thing is as well is you have to realize that it may change what you wanted that dog to be in your life. So maybe you wanted the dog to be a cafe dog. Maybe it's not best to be a cafe dog. Maybe you wanted your dog to be at the dog park. But it's not best for that dog to be at the dog park. And I think you have to realize as having a dog, it may change. Yeah, that's a big thing. I think people get the dog and they're going to go, I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to go and do that. I'm going to bring it in. It's going to be great. And then all of a sudden, when you start going at the dog's pace, you go, oh, well, fuck, I, I this isn't what I planned. Well, no, yeah. it's a living thing with its own thought process and its own stress levels and its own behavior. It, it's, you get the hand you're dealt. Yeah. And sure, if it doesn't go to plan, you can desensitize it and build positive associations. But just because you had your preconceived idea, don't take it in the deep end and don't correct it just because it didn't behave the way you wanted it to. That's yeah. fucked. I, I can't think of the saying right now, but someone said it once. Um, you don't get the dog you want, you get the dog you need. Wow. Why are you reading my mind? Get out of my head. <laughs> ah, exactly right. Yeah. And, and and people, oh, well, yeah, like I think that's so true. And it's definitely a, was the case in my life. Um, I wasn't ready to learn the lessons when they were dealt to me. Don't get me wrong. Like <laughs> fucked it up so much at the beginning when I got my first dog. Um, but I did learn my lessons and I'm still learning. Um, and, you know. We're always learning and like you said earlier, we, we don't have all the answers, but I feel that this approach is the fairest way because if we do do it this way, the long-term relationship with your dog is super healthy. Like you actually have taken the time to listen to them. What did we say last week? You earn trust through listening and you listen to your dog and you build a real relationship. And you know when they're getting agitated and you know when they're real happy and they know when they're calm. And you start to really enjoy the relationship because it's just one built around trust. And your dog's life is genuinely better 
because you have taken care of its stress and emotional levels like from day one yeah and so problem behaviors are driven by not by the physical not by the physical energy of the dog still still having to say this in consults all the time your dog is not energetic it is stressed and problem behaviors are driven by stress fear and anxiety and you can't treat stress with stress so if we actually take our time to promote looking after the dog's welfare the health of the dog then we i'll put myself out the job and it will be amazing yeah love that i think um the best saying i've heard is set your dog up to win not set your dog up to fail mm. which is important so put your dog in situations where um it can cope and it's okay with that situation don't just set it up to be like okay i want it to be a cafe dog go be good yeah i feel on the other like absolutely and and not only are you setting the dog up to win you're setting yourself up exactly. to win exactly yeah. Because nobody wants to be that one that's embarrassed that we talked about earlier. Nobody wants to be the one like going, oh, God, sit down. Like, it is frustrating. But that's because you made a silly decision and jumped the gun. Yeah. Strip it back. Make it easy on yourself. Please, 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 please don't be embarrassed by your dog. No. Please. You're doing the best that you can. Everybody is. And, yeah. And until, I think there's going to be some people maybe... And this happens in my consults all the time. People go, oh man, I feel so bad because I've actually just not been listening to my dog. But I don't want that. That's not the goal of this. Yeah. Because I know within myself that I'm doing this and I believe that everybody's doing this. Everybody's doing the best they can with the information they have at the time. Exactly. And they're trying. So this isn't a finger pointing exercise. This is just like, I want people to be aware that this can be done better. Yeah. Do you know what I love when I'm out walking and I see people, just random people with a treat bag, with their dog and just treating them like I absolutely, you'll probably see me, I'm such a weirdo, but I would just stare at the person just like smile, maybe a thumbs up or something because I'm like, Matt, that's great. Like you're doing the best you can. You probably had a consult with someone and this is what they've told you. Like do it. I know. Take that treat bag around with you. You see me with my treat bag. You love a bum bag. I know. I'm always wearing it. But it's... We're lucky. We have pockets <laughs> as guys. <laughs> Look, it's probably ugly, but whatever. It works. And I take it when I do my training, when I do my walking. And when I see someone else with that, I'm just like, yes, good on you. I walked past the guy yesterday. I was at the front of Bondi and I was just walking there with Django. And obviously, I mean... I'm fully aware that nobody knows who the bloody hell I am and that I'm a dog trainer, but it's so funny because I walked past this guy and he's he's got this little bulldog and pink jacket and he's like looking the dog's looking up at him and he's like real happy with his dog and I just look over to him and I'm like I don't know what I did here I just looked at him made eye contact and I'm like good job mate and carried on walking he must <laughs> he must have thought I was a right weirdo. <laughs> But I just couldn't help it. You just made me I happy. I know, and I do it too. And it just, it like, I can't stop smiling right now. But it just makes me so happy when I see that, especially when I see clients that I've worked with out or I'm driving past. I'm like, yes. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's great to see. I love it when people just actually spend that time interacting and building relationships with their dog. And that dog's body is like super chilled, yeah. not, over, you know, focused on the owner, but not overly focused, just really bloody relaxed. I got asked the question the other day, like, what is, uh, what makes a happy dog? And um, 
I said, and my reply Big was... question. I know, right? <laughs> I just thought then. I was like, oh, it was a written question. So I was doing an interview and um, uh, my response in the end was, it's just a dog that is so comfortable in his own skin that he can relax. Yeah. And beyond that, that's the baseline. One of my friends the other day, and he's talking about humans, he wasn't talking about dogs, but um, I think it's so true in dogs as well. He said, Happy, happiness, like, that, that's a bit of a, it's unfortunate. It's true though. It's a luxury. Yeah. The baseline is staying alive. Now, we live in a society where so many of our basic needs are met, and we, but we live in a very high percentage of the world population. And, sorry, low percentage of the world's population um, that have this luxury. And it, we seem to think that our dogs are going to be born into the same frame of mind. It's not true. Their baseline when they is survival. And all of the joy and happiness, and this is horrible, but it's true, is second to staying alive. And people forget that. But if we make our dogs feel safe, Tracy asked me the question, first time I ever met her, asked me a question, or asked the group a question, so a seminar, and she said, what is the biggest reward you can give her dog? Any dog. And she said information. I still disagree with that. I still think the level beyond that, information makes the dog feel safe or uncomfortable or whatever. But the baseline, the biggest reward you can give your dog as a goal is to make them feel safe. And we forget that. And we forget that they don't know we lock doors. We forget that when we take them out, we know that we're taking them somewhere where we intend them to have a positive experience. But they do not know that. And that, that seems to be forgotten. And the day that everybody realizes that when we look down at our dogs and actually listen to them instead of what we thought it was going to go, how it was going to go, we start listening to our dogs and we actually start looking after them a hell of a lot better. I just want to say as well, every interaction you have with your dog is an opportunity for learning and training. Yeah. That's sort of what I wanted to end with. Yeah. And they're learning whether you like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's it from us. Um, we have covered so much of the baseline information for dogs. Um, don't get me wrong, we obviously got a shitload more to cover. But what, we, um, what we're really looking forward to doing now is actually taking um, suggestions from everybody. We, uh, we, we feel like we had to get the first view out of the way because that was our baseline of our, where our point of view is coming from. Yeah. And who knows, in a few years' time, we might change our mind. Exactly, and that's the thing. We're open to looking at different avenues and changing our mind we're not just set on focus this is how you train a dog this is it as well as taking suggestions on whatever it is you really want to talk about so a lot more specific things i mean like everything's been so general so far yeah and we've been struggling to cut it down in time <laughs> but this is going to get more and more in depth in detail and open discussion the longer this goes on yep so thanks guys remember a healthy dog's a happy dog Woo. And that was the pod. The healthy.